the border can be anywhere. It can be at the next train station, it can be at places where your applications are processed. The problem now is all these protected structures are not democratic. You're listening to the Transformative Podcast brought to you by the Research Center for the History of Transformations at the University of Vienna. Hello and welcome to the Transformative Podcast. My name is Janis Panayotidis and I'm the Scientific Director of Rezet. Today with me is Frank Wolf, my old colleague and friend from the University of Osnabrück in Germany. Frank is a historian of migration and currently heads a research group called Internalizing Borders, the Social and Normative Consequences of the European Border Regime at the University of Bielefeld. Frank, tell us, borders are kind of by definition at the external periphery of a state. What do you mean then by internalizing borders? How does this work? First of all, we think that borders are the external periphery of the state. By different experiences, particularly if you're a migrant in Europe, the border can be anywhere. It can be at the next train station, it can be at places where your applications are processed, and so on. For us in this research group, we want to go even beyond this aspect of reaching, outreaching borders that are growing like into different administrative uh, structures of the state. We want to ask what the institutional, mental and social processes are that bordering creates. So first of all, behind the border, what we're looking at, yeah, the, the process behind the border for us is the society building these borders. And we are building on border research that for decades has established that borders and border processes have an impact on society that are creating these borders. So for, for quite a while of time in Europe, we lived with the idea that the opening of the borders, the Schengen zone, changes European society, and there's a multitude of publications on that. Right now, we're in the opposite process. We're in the process when borders are tightened and heightened and are growing, and we don't ask, what does this actually mean for the societies building these borders? Internalizing in that regard for us means that the borders have an impact on the society and that certain processes that are visible and doable at the border change the societies, the states working or building these borders, doing the border work. And that can have different dimensions, you could say. Building the borders um, in, in our situation also means living and accepting certain forms of border violence, for instance, and accepting certain zones where border violence is socially normative, acceptable, then means that on other parts of the society, there needs to be a change that defines these zones as viable for things that are not doable or thinkable at other places in the state. The erosion of social structures, the erosion of, of the legal of the legal system, you could mention it. Also, the migration, the framing of migration as a problem that then helps actually to advance right-wing agendas, um, even, even by actors who are not intending to advance right-wing agendas, but in fact, by bordering, they are doing that. And this is something that we are looking at in this research group from very different angles and perspectives from anthropology and social studies, legal studies, political studies, history, and so on, to actually find out what that means 
for a European society, a European system of politics and state that in our understanding is only becoming. It isn't there yet. It's growing. It's becoming. And by taking on different borders than we thought about them in the 90s, we are asking now, what does this mean for this becoming European society? That's very interesting and um, clearly builds on your research that you've conducted over these past years, which has very much focused on walls, which are, of course, a very visible type of border. So you've written a book on the, the German wall, the, Ber the Berlin wall, which obviously wasn't only in Berlin, but divided all of Germany and its a societal impact. And now you just published a book together with the uh, political scientist Volker Heinz, who's also part of your research group, a book called Behind Walls, Closed Borders as a Danger for the Open Society. You've already alluded to some of the corrosive effects of, of having a violent border regime. Maybe you can expand a bit more. What happens behind walls? What kind of society develops behind walls? There, there is no recipe A that we could use and say, okay, if this is happening, there's natural law yeah, somehow emerging and then we'll have this and that society. One thing I found striking when looking at, when writing the book on German, the German-German division and the Berlin Wall or the German Wall was the fact that I, I can see the wall when I look at the remains or the pictures of the wall, but I only understand the wall when I look beyond the wall. When I look into the society, say, how is that thing that is actually supposed to protect a society by itself protected? And it needed a lot of protection. Because every single act that questioned the authority of this wall questioned the whole system of the state. Because the state more or less you know, stuck its identity and its, uh, its self-understanding to this wall. So it needed to change a society toward accepting the wall, which over the long run it didn't do. So the war also was also a history of failure, we have to think. In Europe, the situation is a bit different because we have a, like an ambivalent situation here where we have borders that are opened. In many cases, the argument is that in order to keep them open, other borders have to be closed. So it's also about privilege, certain privileges, but they are on a different level than GDR. And of course, the perspective is something far more far larger and far more complex because different states with different identities are involved. It also it contains a much larger notion of coloniality and outreach into Africa to protect that border. Yet again, there is a situation when the wall is thought is a type of border. It's not brick and concrete. It can be made of water, it can be made of sand, and, and some, an important level that I looking at again are the so-called paper walls, the other walls of paper that are needed to protect this. And they are, of course, on our side. And that means, okay, um, in, in, you can see this in, in, in bordering states these days, that at the border, different laws apply, different rules apply for journalists, for researchers, for any human who wants to, to, to somehow access the area, for the police, for the military. And as these borders are reaching out and growing, these zones grow. That means we have more conflict, for instance, about these different rules that apply. So the legal system comes into, the, into play and needs to decide. And we can see within European jurisdiction, for instance, that it's changing course. 
from a rather human rights oriented approach toward a more security oriented approach. Security by that means security of the idea that a border needs to protect it, not the security of the individual crossing that border or living in the area. This is, is, I think, something very important when we look at Europe, see that these borders are not somewhere out there, but that there are that there a multitude of structures emerging trying to protect these borders, which are set to protect us. The problem now is all these protective structures are not democratic. They don't work based on democratic institutions. They don't work based on a democratic orientation in their whole approach, how they are structured toward transparency or the protection against corruption and those questions. And we can see already in Europe, Frontex as one very prominent example here, that there are new levels of governing the borders emerging, which are completely outside that democratic apparatus of control. And that is concerning. And that is what we in, in the book name as the, the, the danger, the threat to democratic societies, that it is a misunderstanding that democratic societies can protect themselves through undemocratic borders. It will change the idea of democracy itself. Right. So what you're saying is essentially you cannot have yeah, you cannot protect democracy by undemocratic means. You cannot have an open society behind closed borders. This brings, of course, all kinds of um, political questions into play. And the reason that you're here with us in Vienna today is uh, precisely a conference on migration or the negotiation of migration and uh, right-wing populism, authoritarianism, which is, of course, a big topic. And when recently peace didn't win the election, in Poland was defeated by, by an oppositional coalition. There was a sense of relief, perhaps, that this right-wing populism, which very much is, is an, has an anti-immigration agenda, was kind of on the, on the downturn. But now Gerd Wilders won the election in the Netherlands. Meloni is governing in Italy. The, the AfD is set to win regional elections, at least in, in East Germany is also on the on the uprise in the in the former West. So um, is is this are these developments a result of the corrosive effects of living behind the wall that that you're describing? Is this is this already a symptom of this? I would say that they are a symptom of a changing political landscape and discourse that is following right-wing agendas to the point that we increasingly understand migration as a problem. If we don't think of migration as a problem, but as something that needs to be administered, like let's say poverty or the budget, the state budget, yeah, every year an issue again, so we have to be, keep going. And if we think of it as something that is negotiated and not something that can be solved, which is the right-wing idea. The migration needs to be solved. The terminology of the new right-wing, that is, there needs to be re-migration, yeah? So, genocide, essentially, yeah? For expulsion and genocide. To protect the body of the people itself. And peace assigned somehow to that agenda, saying that there's a, a body of people that is corrupted through migration. I'm not I'm sure that the new government will have a very different take on migration. It will have different, uh, on, on border security, the idea of borders, because the, the mainstream parties mostly have inscribed themselves into the program of something needs to be done at the borders. What we want to work at and show is the border is the wrong place 
to regulate migration because here the authoritarian tendencies will come into play. Whenever you think you can solve social questions through a border, which is essentially a military space in, to begin with and a place where legal uh, situations also clash and have to be um, regulated, you will you will not be able to have a social policy or regulate a social issue based on the standards that you will have you're expecting to have in other parts of the society. When you look at let's say the new probably new government in Poland, and they are what we in the book describe as the liberal wall builders. Here we have different kinds of arguments, but they lead, essentially lead to the same conclusion: we need to build a wall. Here it is, we have to prevent the right from rising. We have to prevent the right from doing it, so we do it ourselves. I don't think that is a good argument to beat the right wing with his own agenda. And it'll come back to haunt us. When you look, I just came here listening to one of those fantastic metapolitics right wing new right podcasts. And they are very, very outspoken about the victories they are getting at the moment because they are framing the agenda and they claim one step by another step, the territory of changing the narrative on migration. The naturalized, almost like natural usage of the terminology now of irregular migration, which looking at it from migration studies is absurd because migration is a social movement. We are looking at a certain type of regulations that are being applied that are then claiming that something is regular before it's being recognized as regular or not. Because people at sea have the right to arrive at the country and then say, I claim asylum. They, they have a right not to drown. The, here, the right wing is essentially celebrating its victories precisely because it is shaping the discourse, regardless of whether they are so far as they want to be. And unfortunately, you have now others who are, let's say, faster, further to the right than others. And Europe is by large in its idea of migration following Meloni at this point. Meloni is pushing the migration agenda forward, also because the other parties have no idea what to do because they have no idea what to do with the border because the border can only be done that way, can only be used that way in, in, in terms of migration within that ideology. We could talk about, and that would be probably another podcast, what could alternative borders be? But at the moment, the way borders look like, they have that task of migration prevention and that task is advancing working agendas. Frank, on that um, kind of pessimistic, but unfortunately realistic notion, I would like to conclude. Thank you very much for uh, being with us today. And that's goodbye from us for now. <laughs> <laughs>